0: Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Welcome, friends, to another great episode of the Church Leaders Podcast. I had the opportunity to speak with Terry Smith this week, lead pastor of the Life Christian Church in the New York City metro area. Terry has served as pastor at the church for the past 27 years leading them to grow from 54 members to over 3,000 in their weekend worship gatherings. The church is beautifully diverse, with people from over 130 distinct communities across New York City, representing a variety of ethnicities, nationalities, and socioeconomic backgrounds. All of Terry's leadership is grounded in being a hospitable leader, and his latest book, entitled The Hospitable Leader, details the biblical and practical realities of leading from this fresh perspective. On this week's episode, Terry and I discuss the heartbeat of leading in a way that focuses on welcoming and feasting and why that is so very important in reaching people with the hope of Jesus. We talk about our need as leaders to not just focus on our organization's goals, but on the dreams that God is birthing in those we lead. Terry shares an insightful story about the balance of communicating with grace and truth that you really aren't going to want to miss. This is a very encouraging conversation. You're going to want to share this with your leadership team. So please join me in my conversation with Terry Smith. Terry, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to be with us.
1: Thank you, Jason. This is a great opportunity for me to connect with you and your listeners. So thank you.
0: Awesome, brother. Now, Many leadership books have been
1: written over the years, and Terry, I imagine
0: that you've likely read many of them. However, from your own experiences leading your church, you've seemed to notice uh, somewhat of a gap when it comes to talking about leadership. This idea that leadership is most effective when it's grounded in being hospitable. And so, Terry, you've written this new book entitled The Hospitable Leader. Uh, First question I have, Terry, is why another leadership book?
1: Well, thank you. That's a great question, Jason. I, I think that I've written this out of my own personal experience leading a church here in the New York City metropolitan area for 27 years now. This is not a place that is known for its hospitality, yet somehow I have known that I had to create an environment where people who might not typically be open to the message I'm sharing or might not typically be willing to be led would open their hearts to me and allow me to influence them for good purposes. So we've thought a lot about how to create that kind of environment as an organization and thankfully we've had some success with that. So I I wanted to share some of my learnings as well as some of my understandings of scripture and how Jesus led hospitably.
0: Excellent Terry. Now so can you just kind of give us a description uh, what, what does it really mean to be a hospitable leader? What, what do you mean by that term hospitable
1: leader? Well, a hospitable leader creates environments of welcome where moral leadership in any form can more effectively influence an ever-expanding diversity of people. I see hospitable leadership as a worldview, a mindset, an approach, it can have multiple expressions in action and behavior, but it's kind of like a philosophical operating system. A good operating system helps everything work better, and I think that if we can view all of our activities through the lens of hospitality, that our leadership can be more effective in every way.
0: Excellent. Now, you, your church, the Life Christian Church, it's a, a thriving church, um, going, doing some fantastic things there, and... I know from our conversations in the past, you've you've shared about your church that it's, you know, it's a very diverse church. You know, it's made up of people from different backgrounds, uh, different um, socioeconomic status, uh, even different denominations have have gathered together to be a part of your church. So what does it look like to practice this idea of hospitality in a church that is as diverse as yours?
1: Well, I think hospitality is a, a huge key to the diversity, because the, the thing about hospitality is it's about welcome. And we've worked hard to create an environment where all kinds of people feel welcomed. And not only that, but we, we particularly have also, for some reason, by God's grace, been able to attract a lot of leadership-type people and I've discovered that part of hospitality is being hospitable to people and their dreams and um, you know this hospitality thing is about a whole lot more than physicality it's about an attitude it's about a a spiritual environment it's about a communicative environment that that welcomes people that invites people so I think that, that that hospitality is more a cause of the diversity and the kind of people we attract than about anything else I could describe.
0: Well, wow. one of the things that I like about the book is early on in the book, you, you begin to talk about Jesus as a model of hospitality, and specifically you talk about the, the Last Supper, and, and you use that kind of as a framework to show how Jesus was a, a hospitable leader um, can you kind of walk us through Jesus, his actions, and what we learn from his example at the Last Supper?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. In Luke's Gospel, there's attention given to a part of the Last Supper that I, I don't hear a lot of people talk about, and that was that Jesus took great pains to make sure that Peter and John prepared the upper room— He he gave them very clear directions to make sure that there was a hospitable environment for this most momentous of leadership moments to take place. I mean, he told them where to go find the room, that it would be a large room, that it would be furnished appropriately. He told them to prepare the meal. and All of that didn't happen in just a few moments. There was great care and attention that was given to preparing the setting for what he would then say. So he he prepared the environment physically, but not only that, of course, he prepared the environment spiritually. I, I talk a lot about hospitable leaders creating environments that feel like home to people, and home is where our hearts are warm, and when our hearts are warm, it's easier to say difficult things and to lead people and challenge people in positive ways. Well, uh, part of what John's Gospel says about the Last Supper is that uh, basically that Jesus knew who he was. He knew who he was, and he knew his authority had come from the Father. And it was because he knew who he was that he was then able to practice that great act of servant leadership where he washed the feet of his disciples. And then he went on to do some of the greatest leadership teaching ever. I mean, if you look at at the discourse in the upper room and from the upper room to Gethsemane as a leadership talk. It's astounding, but uh, he didn't start with the talk. He started with creating an environment, sharing a meal, being at home in who he was, and that created the opportunity for him to serve his followers and then to say these amazing things to them that, that set them off in in the movement that Christianity became.
0: Terry, let's dig in a little bit more about this idea of creating environments because I do see that uh, a, a lot in, in your writing. And you're talking about this creating this environment of of home. Um, can you help us kind of give some specifics, pastors who are listening in today? How exactly what do you mean by creating this environment of of home? at your church? What does that look like at your church or or what can pastors do in their um, settings to kind of create that home environment?
1: A hospitable leader works really hard to create an environment where people feel home. And as I already said, I describe home as a place where our hearts are warm. And when our hearts are warm, it's it's a lot easier for us to be led. Now, that may sound simple on its face, but I, I see a lot of leaders who who are very skilled in leadership technique, but who do not pay attention to what I would call the soft side of leadership. Now, there are models of this that are marvelous, but I I see a lot of leaders technically trained who aren't thinking about preparing people's hearts before they try to lead them somewhere. You know, Jesus was good at warming people's hearts And, uh, you know, there's this great story of Jesus showing up with these guys who were on the road to Emmaus, and they didn't recognize him at first. But later they said that they should have recognized him because when he was with them, their hearts were warmed within them. And I think that good leaders are recognized by the people they're trying to lead because those people's hearts resonate to that leader. We have to pay attention to that. Abraham Lincoln said, if you want to find the, the high road to a man's reason, you first of all must grab his heart. And so this is what I mean when I say that we, we create an, an environment that feels like home. In all kinds of ways, we're creating an environment where people's hearts are being prepared for the leadership that, that, that we want to exercise.
0: Excellent. Okay, so you have this idea of home. And and in your book, you talk about these five uh, different—you refer to them as welcomes, and and home is one of them. You have another one that has to do with welcoming strangers. So what does that look like um, in your church setting, this idea of um, hospitality through welcoming strangers?
1: Well, you mentioned that our church is known for its diversity, and it it really is an amazing thing. Um, For instance, there's no dominant racial group in our congregation— it's it's crazy. It's hard for me to believe it, even as I say it, but it's true, and it's true at every level in our church. There are people from all kinds of uh, backgrounds in terms of nations of origin, ethnicity, uh, as I said, race, rich people, poor people, highly educated people, you know, PhDs and GEDs, and so on. And one of the things that we've tried to understand is... How in the world have we not only been able to grow such a diverse congregation, but to do it in a way where there has been an amazing unity over 27 years? God's grace has been on us in this way. So you have diversity and you have unity. And uh, what's come out of this discussion, really trying to describe to ourselves and teach others how it has happened, is this idea of welcoming strangers— in Hebrews 13.2, uh, the, the writer of the Hebrews said that we, we have to be careful to entertain strangers or to be hospitable to strangers because we may be entertaining angels unaware. And when we talk about that here at the Life Christian Church, we talk about having a high value of loving people who are not like us. And that could mean anything. That could mean politics, that could mean race, that could, that could mean socioeconomic background. But we are very intentional about creating an environment where people celebrate the fact that they are doing life with people who are not like them. And what we've discovered is that when we welcome strangers, people who are strange to us, that oftentimes those people are in fact, well, uh, angels messengers from God, people who speak things into our life from God that we never would have heard if we just we were always hanging around with people who were just like we are.
0: That's beautiful. So as you open yourselves up to sincerely being intentional in welcoming people from diverse uh, backgrounds or, or you know, lifestyles or whatever it might be, then you experience um, just kind of the blessing of having that diversity with, within the church, and that has helped Uh, your people grow, I imagine,
1: as Christ followers themselves, right? Oh, absolutely. The the benefit—you know, we expand personally, and we expand our ability to influence when we're willing to sit at the table with people who aren't like us. You know, Jesus is the one who modeled this for us. Uh, Let's say, for instance, in welcoming people other than him, the tax collectors and sinners. Or in welcoming people who may have had the same values he had but were different than him in other ways like uh, the fact that he brought women onto his leadership team you know the apostle paul continued that over half of the households that the uh, apostle paul referenced in his writings were were he he mentions women as as leading those households or the fact that the Apostle Paul developed close friendship with slaves, or that he fought for Gentiles to be welcomed to the table. When we create an environment of welcome, we, we're at the table with people who both challenge us and help us grow, but we also expand our influence. Let's just talk about the leadership wisdom of Jesus including women in a way that they had never been included in history. He doubled the percentage of the population who he could employ in his mission. Mm. And when we have empty seats at the table or we're only sitting with people just like we are, we are limiting ourselves, we're limiting our ability to impact the world around us in in ways that I think are tragic. That's good, Terry. That's good. So we have
0: the the first welcome is this idea of home, creating this environment home. The second welcome, um, welcoming strangers, uh, diversity. The third welcome that, that you uh, talk about, I absolutely love this one, and, and this is about dreams. And one of the things that, that I loved is, as you're talking about being a hospitable leader, you talk about the fact that they don't just focus on the goals of their organization or their church, you know, if they're pastoring a church, but they also focus on the, the dreams of the people within the organization. Can you talk to us a little bit more about, about that?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. This is really at the center of, of my my leadership theory. I think one of the greatest leadership talks ever given is in John's Gospel, chapter 10, where Jesus very famously says in John 10.10 10, that he came to give people life in all of its fullness, or as Eugene Peterson has it in the message, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. What I didn't understand until relatively recently was that he made that very famous statement in the context of a leadership talk he was given. Now, there's a lot to be said about that in terms of its 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 context, but he's making a distinction between good leaders and bad leaders, or good shepherds and bad shepherds. And he's introducing himself as a good shepherd who's, who's bringing a new type of leadership to the fore. That's the context in which he promised that he would give people more and better life than they ever dreamed of. I think that this is a key to being a good shepherd or to being a good leader or, more technically, a moral leader. We are invested in the dreams of those who are following us. And that's in contrast to the bad shepherd, Or the bad leader or the immoral leader or what Dietrich Bonhoeffer called a misleader who always makes their leadership efforts about themselves and their dreams and their goals or the goals, the worthy goals of an organization. So I think um, that a leader is invested in the self-actualization of their follower, which I write about extensively, as well as the goals of the organization or the accomplishment of mission, and and I think we can do both at the same time.
0: That's awesome. You, you
1: you use this phrase area of
0: destiny, kind of when you're talking about people living into you know the fullness of what God has has created them to live into, and you give a, a story. You share a story about Roman from your congregation. Can you talk to us share because I think it's a great example of of what you're talking about?
1: Yeah. So. I talk about how that part of of the idea of a leader being hospitable to people in their dreams is that a leader is invested in helping people find their place in this world and and actualizing all the possibility in that place. So I talk a lot about getting up every day, and I say this to my congregation a lot. I get up every day to inspire you to the life God dreams for you. Mm. One of the ways we talk about this is, is area of destiny. Area of destiny is is about finding our God-predestined place in this world. And um, area of destiny is the combination of mission, passion, and gifts. Well, so Roman Oben, uh, who's given me permission to tell this story, Roman was a great uh, NFL offensive lineman with the Giants, and he got traded in the Eli Manning trade to San Diego, and then he won a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay post retirement roman experienced what a lot of nfl football players and professional athletes in my experience go through and that is what who in the world am i what am i what am i supposed to be doing with my life their whole identity was caught up in athletics well roman had success uh hosting the post uh, game giant show on television here in new york city and some other media things but he wasn't happy and we kept having meetings with one another about, uh, you know, what's my life supposed to be about? And um, he, through my teaching on Area of Destiny, started trying to figure out what was his God-destined place, and how could he find the intersect of mission, passion, and gifting. And um, he, he ended up uh, being hired as what Sports Illustrated called the man in charge of the future of football. He's the VP of youth uh, and high school development for the NFL now. And he he in the book, I have a, actually an email from him where he thanks me for challenging him to go on this journey to really make sure that he was doing what his life was meant to be about. And for him, he thinks that's giving back to kids and families and helping football grow and, and, and it doing for others what it's done for him. So, you know, Roman is a celebrity, and it's it's fun to tell his story, but the reality is, by God's grace, I've been able to see that happen, as I'm sure so many of your listeners have, in so many people's lives where you you, you invest in them, you challenge them, to, to figure out what God's dream for them. You make it about them finding their place, them being successful in their life. And when they do, then they bring it back to the organization. You know, it's pretty easy for me to get Roman to buy in to what we're doing here as a church because I bought into his life.
0: That's awesome, brother, and, and I love that because that's one of those great things as pastors that we get to celebrate, you know, as we're going week in, week out, being faithful, doing all the things, and of course, being a pastor, there there are a lot of things that aren't always all that fun and exciting that we have to, you know, the enemies, uh, you know, you know, try to tear us down and trip us up and that sort of thing. But but whenever we get to see, as, as you've experienced, when we get to see someone come alive and really see, hey, this is where God's leading, and this is you know how I can live my best life for God. Um, that's one of the most rewarding things I think we experience as pastors, and that all plays into what you're saying as a hospitable leader is that we need to be focusing not just on what we're hoping our church achieves and what our, our goals are for us as a lead pastor or us as a church, but how that plays into those dreams that God is birthing in the people he's entrusted us to lead. So I I absolutely love that.
1: I I appreciate that. And I would just say, Jason, that our mission statement at the life Christian church is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread his love in ever widening circles. So the idea is that we're investing in the dreams God's given people. And we're trying to connect those dreams to God's dreams for his world. Mm. And then uh, that's, I, I can get excited to get up every day and do that.
0: That's awesome. I love that. All right, so um, you talk about another welcome, and this one this one was very interesting. It um, has to do with communication. And, and one of the things that you touch on is the idea that through communication, a hospitable leader is speaking both in grace and truth. How do leaders, hospitable leaders, speak truth in a way that really encourages people in their growth,
1: Well, I think, first of all, I think we have to make a real commitment to speak truth. And I think that's true. I I don't think creating a hospitable environment is is about um, compromising what we're called to say that's truly life-changing for individuals now and forever. And so I think we have to make a commitment to speak truth, capital T. But I also think for any set of relationships to be effective, that there has to be truth telling. whether that's in a marriage or with it's in our relationship with our children or our staff team or whoever it may be, we have to make a commitment to truth. Well, the problem of course, is that a lot of people um, do not speak truth in a way that's wrapped in grace. Jesus of course, was full of grace and truth. And I've made a commitment to speak truth, But to make sure that I do it in a way where people will actually hear it. A story that I enjoy is that, um, let me think about how to say this. Um, I have a, 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 some time ago, I felt like I needed to share a message that spoke to a societal issue that was quite controversial. Um, Now, I don't get up every week and do that, but I felt like the time was right and it needed to be done. People were asking questions, and so I took the risk to very carefully craft a message and to speak this, what I believe to be true according to Scripture, in a grace-filled way. And after the service, I was very nervous about the whole thing. After the service, I had a, a couple walk up to me and he introduced himself to me they just moved to the new york city metropolitan area and he was the producer of a very well-known one of the top late night television shows where a lot of time is given to making fun of people who believe basically what i believe and what i had just shared and this producer said hey listen i want to i just want to tell you that i disagree with almost everything you said but I appreciate the way you said it. Mm. And that's probably four years ago, and those people are still here pretty much every Sunday. Now, I think I've moved the needle in terms of them developing a, a relationship with Jesus and a biblical worldview. I hope so. If I haven't, I'm failing. But I'm glad that I created an environment where I could speak truth, but where they were still comfortable, to where it's okay for them to disagree. Yeah. And I'm I'm being hospitable. That I'm being hospitable to them in my communication, while by God's grace, not compromising the message that I know I have to share.
0: I love that Terry, because um, you know it's no secret to any of us and any of our listeners that that you know we're living in a time right now that is incredibly divisive, um, very polarizing, and and just that story I think is an encouragement for each of us to you know prayerfully. And carefully consider how we speak truth not to shy away from truth as you said I mean you got up and it was uncomfortable and you, you you spoke it but you did it in such a way that that people I mean they didn't say forget you brother and never show up again right and and I think that is one of the really probably one of the greatest challenges that we're facing right now as pastors is how we how we balance that in in such a way that that we can like you said continue to have a conversation with someone rather than just you know blurt truth out in however we choose and then never have ongoing relationship or conversation with them what recommendations would you give to pastors who are listening in now who you know see this same thing and wrestling with this tension what would you um encourage them to do as they're processing through that to help
1: um keep that balance between grace and truth Boy, that's a great question. Um, So this this idea of viewing leadership through the lens of hospitality, for me, makes everything so much simpler. And that is, if I see my leadership domain uh, as Jesus did, where he said that one of the ways to describe his kingdom was as a feast that a king threw for his son. If I can see... Everything in my domain as a as a feast that I'm inviting people to a banquet uh, a, a a celebration a breaking of bread. If I can create that kind of environment, then I can speak truth. And uh, I I I hope that I'm answering your question well. And I encourage you to dig a little deeper to make me answer it better if you want to. But I, I think one one of my concerns is. So many of us feel like that we need to compromise in, in order to connect with the culture. And I don't think it does us any good to connect with the culture if we compromise. But it clearly isn't working for us to be a uh, pulpit-pounding and yelling about everybody and how terrible our world is and what horrible sinners people are. Somehow or another, I need to invite people to the table— And I need to create an environment where their hearts are warmed. And I need to find the proper opportunities and the proper ways to speak truth to them. Of course, a big part of that is learning to listen to them. Mm. It's being willing. A lot of us never spend any time with people who aren't like us. And so, you know, one of the great tragedies of our society, in my view, is the political divide and the fact that everybody just seems to be yelling at each other. Well, how in the world do we do anything great if if we don't sit down and at least have a conversation and listen to one another? Now, I'm not just about sitting and you know, singing kumbaya. Again, I am determined to speak truth as best as I understand it from the historic teachings of Christianity and the teachings of scripture. But I've got to create an environment where people are willing to hear me.
0: Yeah, and I love that. And one of the things I absolutely love, Terry, about um, the book as a whole, The Hospitable Leader, and, and basically just, you know, how you just keep that in front of us. And, and you touch on it when you talked about the feast and, and this idea of celebration, is that the idea of the hospitable leader, I, I feel, is so um, kind of saturated with hope. You know what I mean? It's like the focus is that God is a, a big God. And there's great possibility with God, right? And it's this idea of hope cause from everything from creating this environment of home to welcoming the stranger to, you know, the dreams and trying to help people find, you know, how God has, has deposited those, those dreams into their hearts and into their lives. The idea of communicating with grace and truth, the celebration of these feasts, all of this, you know, the thread that runs through all of this is this whole idea of hope. And it seems that one of the big things you're saying is that a hospitable leader is someone who creates this, um, or maybe not creates, but recognizes this hopeful environment that God has created for us, where there is room for us to to grow and to celebrate and to experience God's absolute best. Would you say that 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 hope is a, a huge part of this idea of being a hospitable leader?
1: You know, I would, and it's, it's why I kind of wrap the book up with this whole idea that in Romans 5, Paul says that we are happy because of the hope we have to share in God's glory. You're well aware, Jason, of all this research that's been done in the last couple of decades of the power of happiness, how that happiness is a precursor to success. People who are happy, every study shows, are more successful in every area of their life and i think in christianity we've we've been a little afraid of happiness as if happiness is the ugly stepsister of joy and that's a a discussion to have but when we if we understand happiness as as um having a sense of meaning and satisfaction in a life of purpose then i think happiness is a good thing and i believe that hope is the key to happiness again paul said we are happy because of the hope we have of sharing in God's glory and sharing in God's glory is you know it's uh, you know God's glory is his self manifestation and um, it has to do with who he is and what he's doing. So again to, to rephrase it, we are happy because of the hope we have to be involved in what God's doing in the world now and forever. Well, I think when 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 we, You know, if our leadership is going to feel like a feast that we've thrown for our followers, we have to personally be happy, and we have to create hopeful environments that stimulate and help people be happy. And you know, I I I think Christian churches would be a a lot better at doing what we're called to do if if we were all just happy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love that, brother. I love that. Oh thank you so much for for this uh this a kind of new perspective I think for many of us um from the angle of a hospitable leader uh and for being with us Terry Terry can you tell us how if people want to uh learn more about the book or connect with you um what's the
1: best way for them to do that Well thank you I I'd, I'd love to to share that So if if someone wants to receive a, a free preview of the hospitable leader including a the introduction and the chapter about strangers, welcoming strangers, they can text the code T-E-R-R-Y to 345-345. So they can text Terry to 345-345, and we'll send a, a preview of the book. And 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 also, if someone wants to learn more about the book, they can go to hospitableleader.com, Hospitable Leader.com. So thanks. I'd love to share it with as many people as possible.
0: Awesome, brother. And we will have um, that information in the show notes for this episode, so you guys can uh, take a look at that if if you need to get that information. Terry, it's been such a joy to have you with us on the Church Leaders Podcast. Thank you for all you're doing as a leader of your church Uh, there in New York, but then also as you're speaking into the lives and encouraging so many other pastors and and leaders of organizations, businesses, you know, even, even parents, you know, leading their own families. So thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you.
1: Thank you, Jason. I'm more than happy to do it, and I appreciate the opportunity a lot. Awesome,
0: brother. God bless you. God bless you.